Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, we've got Kenya Hill, who is our expert in analytics, who is going to be talking to our Greensboro College analytics apprentice, Gabrielle Breeze. This conversation is just packed full of valuable insights. So Kinga successfully made the transition from academia into data science about a year ago. And guess how much of a pay increase she got? She garnered a $70,000 pay increase. So she's applying all of the skills that she learned getting a PhD in environmental science out in the real world. So she works with a startup that studies flood risk. And she does quite a bit of coding and research that is directly related to her area of expertise. Not only is she made that transition, but she's also built quite of a following on LinkedIn. And I know that Gabrielle was very resistant to getting out there. So I think this conversation is valuable, not only in that she's got a role model to look up towards with Kinga, but she's also got some very tactical advice from this conversation. So with all that being said, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. And today we are joined by two fantastic guests. We're starting with Kinga. Uh, Kinga, help me pronounce your last name. Help me, <laughs> it's Tushovska, but you can just call me Kinga Hill. Kinga Hill. We're joined by Kinga Hill and Gabrielle from our apprenticeship cohort. So, Kinga... Welcome, welcome. Welcome. Why don't you Why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about about yourself? What do you do? Sure. I my title is data scientist. I work for a startup, and I had a a, a career transition about a year ago. So I transitioned from academia to data science. So, and this, I like to talk about this transition. I think it's helpful to people, not just academics, but just anybody. And it's a, it's a, it, it's a classic career transition story. Yes. Yeah, so, so you, you started off as a professor, right? 
Yes, I was a professor and a researcher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot, a lot of that, I would assume, as a researcher, transitions. It, it, it comes naturally when you're going into the analytics field because it's pretty research intensive. Yeah, I mean, some uh, some fields are more amenable to data science than others. I would say mine was pretty well positioned. So I'm in the field of environmental science, which is in the STEM category. So we are very analytical already. Um, and I think that's what made my transition easier. But I don't think it's impossible for other people, you know. So my background is in the sciences. And I always did for years, you know, I went to graduate school for both my both my master's and PhDs. And for all of that, there was so much analytical work, you know, you got to collect your data, analyze it, communicate it, visualize it. So when I found out last year that analytics is a field that's valuable in the private sector, uh, it blew my mind because it's something that I was already doing and enjoying. I just didn't realize that the private sector uses that skill set. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting that you bring up, you know, there's a lot of your skill set is still being used, though. You know, a lot of people who are transitioning, they focus a lot on those technical hard skills first getting into it. But there's also the entire opposite side of, you know, what you're what using your own experiences to almost brand brand and market yourself, you know? Absolutely. I think a lot of people who transition to analytics just love data. And I, I have a friend who tra- who's transitioning from music to data. And he, he's a musician, but he always loved data. So you don't have to have the educational background for it. You just have to have that kind of love for it and that way of thinking and just like you always want to analyze something for some reason yeah so so now so now you're working for a you're using environmental science you're working for a company called storm sensor Mm -hmm. um well so tell us a little bit about what they do yeah so uh in my transition i decided to stick in my stick to my domain, which is environmental science, I could have pursued other fields, you know, like real estate or healthcare or whatever. But I decided to stick in in, in this field because it's what I love to do. I, I love environmental science and I've been studying it for years. So I searched for companies that do data and environmental science. And there's so that makes a group of companies that are typically called like green tech company or climate tech companies. And Storm Sensor falls into that category. And I found them on Google, just Googling around. Um, they're a company that deals with urban flood risk. So we are using all kinds of um, data that's live streamed from sensors that we install into the stormwater system. So we are monitoring how rainwater flows in the sewer system after a rainstorm. Hmm. And so there's a lot of like data coming in and we translate the raw data, which is just the depth measurement into insights for our clients. Uh, We also make maps of flood risk for our communities to help them plan for if their community floods. So they're like a planning tool. So we use a lot of spatial data. So speaking of mapping, you are very familiar with data mapping. Do you want to talk a little bit about what data mapping is? Sure. Part of my background um, was not just environmental science, but mapping a combination of those things. So I've been mapping for years now. I started during my master's degree back in 2006. 
And I've been mapping since then. I just love maps. They're just, oh, they're just such a wonderful tool. You, you just know like where the thing is that you're trying to see. <laughs> you know, you're not just seeing the data point. You're seeing where that data point is. So I just love that. There's something that, about maps that speaks to my like visual sensation. So, um, so I've been mapping for a long time. And I think this is one way that I was attractive to Storm Sensor. They are using maps. And I, I am now on the mapping team so we are, you know, compiling lots of spatial data. There are a lot of data sets out there that are open source available, and we're compiling that information to make informative maps for our clients. Right. And you mentioned, so you mentioned you found Storm Sensor with a quick Google search. Did you, did you pretty much just type in what, what you were looking for or what, you, what your skill set was? How did you go about finding them? Yeah, I wish I remember with the Google, but I when I Google, I literally yeah like type in my thoughts into Google. I think that's my strategy. It's like I was like you know climate tech companies or whatever, or like best climate tech companies. Yeah, um, yeah, it was just like a lot of, and who knows? I probably could have tried like ten different search terms and sentences to to find something, but googling is definitely a thing. Well, so you also have quite a large LinkedIn presence. Um, you generate a lot of value in the community. Um, do you think that your your own personal networking and the stuff that you're putting out there has a, a impact on your job at the moment? Or uh... it, yeah, I think it does. It my colleagues at work are calling me a LinkedIn superstar. <laughs> And because I'm the, I'm, I'm not the only person active in my company, but I, I get the most engagement on LinkedIn because I've been doing it for a while. Engagement on LinkedIn is something you got to kind of build. So right. I built mine. And so I'm the most engaged and um, I really get valued for this in my company. And I'm surprised by this. The upper management is impressed by whatever my, my posts are, even if they're like random, I have nothing to do with Storm Sensor. Uh, and I, I get a lot of compliments for being active on LinkedIn. And I can't say it's it's brought any tangible results right now, but I, I think it's just part of building. Well, um, so, you know, the data science community is so it's so tightly knit in LinkedIn. Um, it's it's you know, it's it's important for people who are considering, you know, transitioning to network, 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 you know, because it's it's. There are many people who, if you get in touch with, and not, it, it can't be transactional. That's another problem that a lot of people on LinkedIn have, you know, being transactional versus being uh, more relational in terms mm -hmm. of your communication with people. Because, Kinga, imagine if somebody reached out to you and it's like, hey, can you teach me how to use R? Like, what, what's your first thought if someone says something like that? We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David's students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program 
offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one -on -one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. I'm annoyed. <laughs> there are people out there who, who will reach out to me and they'll be like, um, can you tell me all about your transition from academia to, to data? And I'm just like, why don't you first Google the hundreds of resources that are out there and maybe watch a few videos that I already filmed and then come to me with, with something, you know, like when a person comes to me and just wants like a full background <laughs> on something, it means they didn't do any of the work and they want me to do the work for them. Right. Well, it's, it's also, it almost shows a, um, when something like that happens, it almost shows a lack of care because it means that the person is looking for something for nothing, you know, and there's gotta be a certain level of, you know, goodwill that's generated one way or another, whether that's just by reaching out to a person that you want to contact first and saying, Hey, uh, I exist. I just want to meet you and know, and how, how are you doing this week? How's the world and data? Something, just something like that's conversational like that is a great way to network. Yes, you hear a lot that if you want to have a, an informational interview, that you need to bring value to the conversation. And I always wondered what that is. But now uh, I think that sometimes the value is just listening to the person's story. Like I am a vain person. I'll talk about myself if you tell me, hey, you're amazing. Tell me about you or whatever. <laughs> I want to talk about myself. And that, you know, that gives me good feels. Yeah. So just being a good listener, you know, is sometimes enough. So actually I, so it seems like you have like a lot of experience previously already, mm -hmm. which is great, but I'm curious to know how or what you didn't know going into the new role. Yeah. Like, did you know everything already or was there something that you didn't know that you did, that you had to learn? Yeah. Yeah. Uh so John David has this great video that he made a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, where he talks about how people who are transition or just looking for a job spend way too much time upscaling. They just like dedicate so much time upscaling and less time, you know, building those relationships or whatever else. So I also went down the upscaling rabbit hole. So I came already with our skills. I'm an R coder. So I have those skills. I, so I can visualize and analyze data and clean data in R, but I was like, I need to upscale more. So I started learning Tableau and Power BI and doing more projects in my mapping software. The mapping software I use is GIS. So I definitely went down the upscaling path and it turns out <laughs> I didn't need any of those things oh, wow. for my new job. Like everything I already knew is the stuff that they valued. So they valued you know, my research skills, my R coding skills, my communication skills, my problem solving. I already had all of that stuff. There, there was zero upscaling that was necessary for me to get the job that I have right now. Why do you ask? Are you worried that? I'm, yeah, because I, I obviously don't have a background and all of that stuff. I did R in college, but I honestly don't even remember what I was doing. 
Um, <laughs> I don't remember a lot of things that I did in college, to be honest with you, or even know why I was doing it. I don't I either. All of these classes and they, all the teachers wanted us to work on everything for them. And I had like my personal life and then all, it was just so much. So I don't remember half of that stuff. Um, so I guess the only thing that I can do now is work on my skills, my hard skills, mm -hmm. um, because I don't have the background experience. That's true. And so I had a hard skill and, and that was a, a huge benefit to me. So I would say uh, for you, you um, to do to focus on a hard skill that of your choice, whatever it is like SQL, Excel. Like, are you learning something in particular right now? <clears throat> um, so through the courses that John David has, we did go through Power BI and Excel and um, <clears throat> Tableau. I think he's like a, a Tableau guru. So <laughs> yeah. So we're doing all of that. And I did do SQL. Like I took a basic SQL certification course before I joined the certification uh, with John David because I was trying to learn all of this on my own. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that I kind of I can learn all of it on my own for free, but I just, I really need a push as far as like having a mentor and it helps so much, so. Awesome. But besides the hard skill, don't undervalue the soft skills that you bring to the conversation. If, and for me, they were just like problem solving and communication and presentation. So. I am sure that there are things that you're just passionate about in life, whatever they are, and bring that to the table. I'm just now starting to learn that I just like really love data visualization. It just makes me happy. Like as soon as I start a visualization project, it brings me joy. And my colleagues at work are also recognizing that about me. And I didn't even know that, but I think if it brings the stuff that you just like and do well, and pair that with some hard skill that you're learning, <clears throat> I think that's gonna build that personal brand for you. Okay. Well, so then I have another question. So all of the jobs that I have had currently and in the past have been very low level jobs, mm -hmm. mostly data entry. And so when we go through our training, it's like, it's very like, okay, here's what you need to know. Here's ABCD and then just repeat this over and over. So I'm curious to know how training in a, in a role like that, in a role like yours would, would be compared to mine. <laughs> like, cause I feel like we're the, supposed to be the experts, right? If I'm going into like a data analytics role or a data science role, we're supposed to be the expert. And I, it kind of, it's kind of intimidating. <laughs> yeah. So what the, like if you started an analyst role right now, uh, what would the training would be like? Yes. I, I think it probably depends on the company. Uh, from in my company, the the team is just so supportive. And, and so there are, you asked me earlier about what I didn't know. I knew a lot of the things going in, but I, some I didn't. So there is this, um, uh, there is this site and, and version control um, system called GitHub. Have you heard of GitHub? Mm -hmm. And my company uses this system and I had no idea what the heck that was. And I had to, I had to learn that. And it just meant asking a lot of questions <laughs> and constantly like taking notes and, and having my hand held. I had to learn SQL. I've never done SQL before because most academics don't do that. And so I like did a lot of asking about that. Uh, so 
I think it does depend on the company and the team. And I think you have to feel that out in an interview. I think it's totally okay if you don't know a lot of things. I think a lot of companies um, are just happy to train you because they'll probably hire you for some of those other soft skills that you bring, that rapport that you will have in the interview, um, the personal brand that you bring with you, they'll hire you for that and have no problem upskilling you and training you for some of the other stuff. Yeah, I would say there's a lot of companies out there who are looking for somebody more who's just eager to learn, mm -hmm. who has the willingness to learn and the ability. Um, so on that note, uh, Gabrielle, um, have, do you, do you, so you said you joined the course because you mm -hmm. wanted a little bit of a push into the analytics space. Yes. Um, so another, another thing that we're going to be working with is, uh, real companies, uh, real companies data. So we'll, we'll be able to apply some of those skills that you've picked up, those hard skills that you and King are talking about. Power BI, Tableau, Excel, your, your previous SQL knowledge may come into play mm -hmm. and you'll work with an actual company's data, which you'll be able to market for yourself. Kenga, what do you think the value prop of something like that is? That's a good question. <laughs> the value prop of all the stuff that, you, that you're learning um, as the apprentice? Well, specifically her ability to apply that knowledge she has to real company's data. Yeah, I think I think that's amazing. And the challenge for you is going to be to translate that in the resume. You know, you you got to like throw some numbers <laughs> at the person reading the, the resume. But I think it's wonderful that you will have that experience working for a real company and and hopefully, you know, create some product for them and bring some value to them that then you could translate to your resume and your interview. I mean, that's that's amazing. It's not just saying, oh, I did a little project as a hobby, right? It's saying I did this for this company. Yeah, I'm hoping that will help me a lot because the stuff that I have on my resume now is really hard to quantify. And I know John mm -hmm. David's like, please quantify this. Like, you got to tell me, like, what resulted in this, but I don't have like anything like that. It's just quantifying, so hopefully this will help. Yeah. Quantifying anything is so hard. Even with my background, I was like, how do I quantify this? It just requires a little bit of mental gymnastics. So earlier, Kinga, you mentioned, you know, people who might have limited availability to, um, you know, sample data. Um, they would they might use like uh, an online an online data um, warehouse of some kind. Um, do you recommend for people who are trying to uh, build up their like public portfolio, their analytics public portfolio, to use some of these sample data sets, or do you think that it's more valuable to maybe go to like a uh, a government facility or or something like that and ask them for some of their data? Hmm. That's interesting. I think it's more valuable if you if you kind of find the data on your own, because I think a lot of the skill and value is in finding, cleaning, processing like that. I do a lot of this at work right now. Literally, just before this meeting, I had a meeting because I was researching one specific component 
And for that, I had to find, read, download, visualize, clean the data. And like yeah. that's, that's my job at my company. So if you could do that yourself, I think, I think that brings a lot of value rather than just getting a pre-made data set it's already then, been cleaned up. Yeah, and then maybe visualizing it. I mean, if, if you want to focus on just like visualizing it, then maybe go with the cleaned one. I guess it depends what your objectives are. But there is a lot of value in finding and cleaning. Mm -hmm. So, Gabrielle, have you done have you done any data cleaning yet? So, okay, hold on a second. So, my. I don't know if you saw my message, but my computer has been super choppy. So this whole time you've been talking, I hear like one or two words at a time. I'm so sorry. Now, oh, no. Can you repeat that question? Yeah, I was just asking if um, you had done any major data cleaning yet and if you had any questions about data cleaning for Kinga. Oh, I wouldn't say major data cleaning, probably a little bit. And just a like the basic stuff, um, I did watch some videos on it because I feel like a lot of the a lot of the time when I'm learning something like on YouTube or even from the, the course that I'm taking now, it's just it's like uh, here's how to do Power BI or has, here's a little bit of Power BI. Here's some Tableau. But I don't know, like, OK, well, what about data cleaning? I know that's a super important part of it. And I so now I have to research it on my own. Um, and I did find some stuff, but I haven't done anything major. So I definitely if you have any resources for that, I would definitely like to. Well, I have a question. It. I have a question for you, Gabrielle. Then, what? Sure. A lot of the advice on the internet, and I agree with this advice, is to pursue a project. If you want to do like a data project, pursue one that matches your personal interests. Like for mm -hmm. me, I love doing stuff with like PhDs in higher education. I did some mapping projects with that. I did some flutter risk projects because that's what my company does. So just like stuff that is interesting to me. What yeah. would that be for you? Oh, gosh. Um, there's so many things. I don't know. I probably would do something related to travel, maybe, if it was something on my own that I can do. Mm -hmm. um, I don't travel much, but I can, you know, I can live through the data. <laughs> right. Like maybe something with Airbnb or whatever. I mean, the, the point I'm trying to make is that, yeah, pursue something that's interesting to you and then find your own data set and and clean yeah. it and process it and definitely visualize it or do whatever you want to do with it so definitely. as far as as far as building up a public portfolio gabrielle do you have a public portfolio yet i i don't um i know that we are working on one with the tableau public um and i think that's just whatever he has in his course so and I haven't like finished all of that yet, but I, um, once I'm done with that, I would definitely like to put my own, my own stuff in there, my own analytical work in there so that it's not just the coursework. It's something a little bit different than everybody else's. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's all I have. So interesting enough, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we spoke with Alex Epperly and he had mentioned that, you know, for people who are first getting into setting up their public portfolio, to don't be afraid to just show something to interviewers, okay. right? Even if even if it's like in the very early stages and you think it doesn't look good and maybe yeah. there's a number or two <laughs> that's incorrect on it, 
Like that's kind of where I'm at right now. I think I have a very small like dashboard on there, but it's it's nothing like grand. So I'm a little hesitant about even putting that link on my resume, but that's good to know. Well, so John David loves <laughs> to tell this story where he had a student uh, from Greensboro a couple of years back who um, he actually only had the basic very first visualization that he ever created in John David's class on his LinkedIn profile. And he got a government job as a data analyst at, wow. in like the, three months later or something. And that was nice. the only thing he had was that. <laughs> so point case in point, yeah, show something. Okay, okay, my, good to know. My story is that I made this one portfolio piece. It's like this HTML document that is a mixture of code and visualizations. So I made this little portfolio piece and I sent it out to one of my interviewers and they and they sent it back with all these edits like all these like spelling errors and and whatnot i was like oh i was mortified i was like oh my gosh like instead of coming off good i came off bad but i still got the job offer you know because like who cares if there was some spell i mean yeah obviously pay attention to spelling <laughs> but even with errors it was still you know somewhat of a showpiece okay that's that's definitely motivating so i will get to work on that yeah um so talking about now we're getting more into the um starting to apply kind of area um, Gabrielle, I don't know if you've already starting, started applying to places. Um, I know it's a little bit early in the program, but I, I haven't, and he actually wants us to start sooner than later. And some of them already have, but I haven't because I'm, uh, still trying to work on my resume just a little bit. Um, but I actually, I'm planning on doing this weekend and I think a lot of it is just, I am hesitant because. I haven't finished the course yet. And I'm like, oh, I don't know everything that I need to know yet to be able to talk about it in an interview. But he's like, just do it because by the time they get to you, you'll be done with it and you'll know more. Mm -hmm. so. so I don't know if you would be interested in this or not, but um, we could always pop open your resume real quick if you'd like, and we could do oh a quick gosh. resume review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. But don't judge me on my low level job. But yeah, if my computer works, okay. Actually, it might not it might not work because it's on my oh, my other computer and I'm on okay. my work computer. Right I gotcha. Now. Well, so we can look at Sorry. that some other time. But the yeah, point, definitely. The point being, it, so you mentioned you had some lower level jobs on there still. Mm -hmm. um, is that pretty much just like stuff that's kind of um, like maybe uh, service based or retail or? Um, like yes. Yeah, so I I tried to like leave off most most of the retail because it's. It's been a while since I've, I think the last retail, well, the last retail job that I had was like Sherwin-Williams mm -hmm. and Starbucks. I worked at yeah. Starbucks for nine years. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to take nine years off my resume, but I did because it's not really relevant. Mm -hmm. um, but from then on, after I graduated college, I slowly started to slowly get into more office type of jobs. Um, so I had a contract job through LPL Financial, and it was literally just data entry on the back end. Um, and then after that, it's, um, it, I was a loan processor for a mortgage company. Um, and then I left that job, that was during COVID. And that's a whole nother story, but <laughs> I ended up leaving that job and I started to do my own work as a loan signing agent, a notary loan signing agent. 
um, just to try to like figure out what am I going to do next. And then I have my current job now, which is in insurance. And I am like an audit specialist, but it's basically just um, I email a lot of people. <laughs> so. Well, Kenya, you said something you wanted to say. <laughs> I, I do. I mean, I feel like you're kind of downplaying these jobs, but I bet like some of them sound like very data like, you know, and I bet you could like pull out. <laughs> they are. I mean, I'm definitely looking at like a whole like pipeline of different information that I have to read through, but it's still... I don't know. I feel like it's not there. And I, I, I just, I know there's so much more that I can do. Does the phrase imposter syndrome mean anything? <laughs> because I'm noticing a little, I'm noticing a little hint of it here. Um, you, you are kind of downplaying your previous work experience, but yeah. there's something that you're taking out of everything, even in a retail job or something, you still have to know how to communicate with people effectively. I'm mm -hmm. sure there's plenty of days that you worked that there's just these insufferable people coming through and you have to put a smile on your face and say, Hey, here's your coffee yeah. or whatever. Right. Right. And so, um, that's still important to know. In fact, a lot of data analysts struggle with communication skills and it seems like that's something you don't struggle with at all. So, I used to, <laughs> well, I used to be like super horrible, but I just, I don't know. I grew up in age and then having a kid, I just stopped caring. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for what it's worth, I, I, none of that comes through. That, That's that you... good because I, and I actually told John David this, I, I had a dream that this interview went horribly and I was so anxious about it before we started. And I, I guess I was thinking about it so much that I ended up dreaming about it. And so, so far it's going much better than my dream. <laughs> yeah, well, the only person who's blanked out so far has been me. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but so anyway... <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about imposter syndrome because we've okay. we've talked about it before and i'm sh there's still going to be people that are always going to think that they can do less than they can really do so kinga have you ever experienced imposter syndrome i'm the poster child for imposter syndrome <laughs> oh my gosh just like put a big imposter syndrome label over my head yeah absolutely and I, I experienced it right here at Storm Center at the company. When I first started, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Everybody is coding better than me. And like, they're going to soon realize that I don't know anything. And, I mean, it's just like these ridiculous thoughts. Um, it does go away <laughs> with time at the company. I'm sure we'll come back <laughs> eventually again. But it's just one of those things associated with a new thing, you know, and I, I don't know how to battle it because it, it keeps playing me uh, other than just like telling myself, like, I know this stuff. I am skilled. I bring a lot of good value to the table, um, but it's real. It, it's real and it's there and it plagues a lot of people. Yeah. So, so I'll, something that we have talked about in the past is when you are beginning to interview it's important to label yourself as what you want to be because it almost it almost forces you to either take on that role or die trying you know because it's like if you're saying to a company hey guys i'm going to be a data analyst for you then you better have the skills to back it up or you know, then that's going to, that's going to haunt you for the rest of your interview processes. So something, so, something as simple as throwing yourself out there and saying, Hey, I, 
I can do this. Can um, it, it's like it, it the element of doubt is still going to be there, but now there's you're you're requiring yourself to live up to your own expectations, kind of deal. And yeah. I agree. Although I'm sensing like hesitation from Gabrielle about like labeling herself as anybody. And because you might think like, well, if I label myself as an analyst, then I need to be the expert analyst. And I don't think you need to be the expert. I think you just need to like know some of the things that you do well. And I know there are things that you do well. Um, and, and really focus on those. Yeah, I think I just need to learn enough to be confident to talk about it. Um, not necessarily to know everything about it because I can literally learn about this stuff for months and months and months. So Till you <laughs> so, die. Yeah, exactly. I'm learning still and I will continue to do so. So continuous learning. Let's talk about that. Kinga, mm -hmm. when you are stuck on a problem, just some kind of problem, what is the first thing that you do when you are just, you hit a roadblock and you can't do it, you can't do anything else? When I heard, hit a roadblock, I go for a walk and it's, it's, it's foolproof every time. I go for a walk and I come back and my computer miraculously works <laughs> or I come back and I have a new brilliant idea about something. I mean, like I'm telling you, foolproof strategy. So clear your air. Me personally, I'm a big proponent of Google. I don't know. I wouldn't downplay <laughs> Google at all. So, because, so here's, here's the thing. If you, like you said, type in exactly what your thoughts are mm -hmm. into Google, 90% of the time, somebody is going to have had thinking. the same analytics, the same exact problem that you were working on yep. on your data set before. And so the problem then just becomes translating it into whatever software or whatever you're using. Um, totally. Another place that I think is, I don't know if you've ever used it, uh, Kinga, but Reddit, um, the Reddit f f uh, forums, they do a pretty good job of answering very specific, like if you have like a series of stuff that you need to do, or you've like already tried something and it just doesn't work for whatever reason, chances are somebody on Reddit's going to know. Yeah. I, I mean, and this is a toolbox, right, that we're talking about. Go take a walk, go on Reddit, Google something. Definitely <laughs> yeah. there are different tools you could try. Um, I, I, yeah, I visit Stack Exchange all the time. This is for, you know, people, I guess, who code mostly. Mm -hmm. um, and then Reddit sometimes will appear in my Google results and is very often like spot on. Uh, I'm not a, I don't have a Reddit account, but I seriously need to open one because there are so many like good uh, subreddits there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are some of the, those are, yeah, those are some of the tools to solve the problem. We've talked about, the, we've talked about the analytics skills that the hard skills that we need. We've talked about the interview process a little bit. Um, so let's talk a little bit about like company culture. How, so, so Kinga, obviously when you were searching, you found, when you found Storm Sensor, obviously you agree with their culture because of your background in environmental science. Mm -hmm. But for those people who are struggling to find a company that, um, that meets all of their criteria, you know, let's, mm -hmm. Let's say they're looking for somebody who pays a nice salary, maybe around 70000 starting out, mm -hmm. something, you know, something 
they they're looking for something to check all the boxes. Um, what do you think? What do you recommend for those people to to do when they can't find? They just can't find the um, exact listing they're looking for. Do you think they should just a little like loosen their search a little bit or if they can't find that unicorn i mean a lot of the advice out there is to be very specific and very clear about what you want like write down exactly what's important to you is it your family is it salary is it you know whatever benefit like what write down what's important to you i think that that is key to just be clear about those things um but if you if there is like if you can't find a company that meets all of the criteria, yeah, that's a good question. I, I can't say that that I've had an experience about that. Um, mm-hmm. I would say loosen up a little bit and and apply to companies that don't fit everything because they're just a stepping stone. My personal professional trajectory or plan right now is to not just stay in one company forever. Like I'm okay jumping around professionally. And I think it's, it's good to jump around professionally. So it's okay. If maybe you compromise a few things to, to start with. So you would say that if like your personal experience, you've um, worked in a number of different companies, um, it's almost like it's not so much jumping as it is like uh, giving what you can and moving on kind of deal, you know? Yeah, I mean, my past professional experience was actually jumping um, without wanting to jump. Oh. <laughs> this was uh, you know, in academia, and this is one of the reasons I left. You have these contract positions that end and you got to go to the next thing, and I didn't want to do that. So my path of jumping around is not something I wanted to do. But for my future, I'm really actively thinking about like, where do I want to be in the next few years? What's important to me? What skills do I want to build? And, and I'm not saying that, like, I don't have a plan to leave my current company, like, I'm really happy there. Mm -hmm. But I'm always keeping my, my eyes open to other opportunities. If I don't stay in my company forever, that's like totally okay with me. Right. So, so someone reached out, someone reached out to you on LinkedIn, some kind of recruiter or something. You would never just like say, Oh no, thanks. I'm working with this company right now. You would always leave that door open. Mm -hmm. And this is the reason I'm active on LinkedIn. I'm building those relationships, hopefully some kind of stepping stones to some other opportunities. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, I think it's okay to compromise sometimes a little bit if you can't find a unicorn, but it is good to be clear on what you need. And I can't even say that I'm there yet. I'm still trying to make that list of like, what's important to me. My, my team leader just this week asked me like, what is it that you want to achieve professionally? Like what's important to you? So we could build it at this company, you know, because internally you could even build yourself up professionally. Yeah. So that dialogue doesn't always happen exactly the way that you described it, though, because sometimes you'll work for a company and they just expect you to stay there for a certain amount of time. So let's say so let's say there's somebody who they've been working an entry level data analyst job for a while and they want to move up in the ranks at some in some at some degree. Um, How how do you get over that hurdle? 
it's I know it's a really loaded question. It's like a hard question to answer, but how how would you leap over something like that? How do you move up in the ranks inside a company? Well, either inside of a company or when you're transitioning to another, you want to move. You want to do a diagonal. Uh huh. A diagonal move. I mean, I've never achieved this. You're talking to me, you know, pretty early in my data career. In academia, none of this applies. So, Mm -hmm. Um, but I, my strategy is to network and you're networking internally and externally. You networking inside a company is just as important as outside. Like talk to your team leader, talk to you, higher up your CEO, whoever, build relationships with those people so that they know what you're doing, they know what you're good at, and they have your back and like want to support you. Yeah. Uh, that's internally. And then externally, build relationships with other companies and other people. Post on LinkedIn, have informational interviews, um, and just build those relationships, getting ready for a future jump. Yeah. So basically, you think that LinkedIn is um, a big help with all of that stuff as far as job searching? I think so. Like, I've been posting for about a year now actively. I post about twice a week. I've been consistent with that. And it's a lot of work. I I don't know if you've tried (laughs) to post on LinkedIn. It's a lot of work. Um, And I, I can't say that I've had, like, any professional benefits from it. Like I haven't had any mind blowing job offers or recruiters pounding down my door, but I do believe that I am building these relationships and this is a long game. And I have some great like relationships and friends that I've met on LinkedIn. Like this conversation is thanks to LinkedIn and I love it. Uh, And so I do think that it's like a long game, but it's very valuable. Yeah, I'm kind of like anti-social media, so I'm trying to make my LinkedIn presence more, more known. But it's hard. I would love to. I will. I definitely will. I'm the Um, same way, Gabrielle. I can't stand. I can't stand social media. But Um, LinkedIn is like it's 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 like it's almost like a second job sometimes. You know. Yeah, I didn't want to get it, but my when I was in college, my career services person was like, you have to make a LinkedIn, like you're going to need to make it because they're going to look at your LinkedIn after you apply for the job. Yeah, Yeah, probably. I do have to say that LinkedIn like helped me get the current job that I have. Like I found the company on Google, but then I found the people who work in it on LinkedIn and I connected with them there. So LinkedIn is huge. And I know there are people that don't want to be on social media and I totally get that social media can be such like, uh, um, but I don't know, LinkedIn, I, it's very valuable and you don't have to be humongously active because it is like a a second job, like Hunter said, but well, I made my first post like maybe a couple weeks ago and I was also very anxious about that. And I, felt like I needed like a shot after that. Like I just, <laughs> it was too much just to click submit. It was too much, oh, but I did it. Yay, that's awesome. And it gets easier with time. Yeah, I'm sure it will. So uh, Gabrielle, do you have any other questions for Kinga? Um, I was gonna ask you if I can add you on LinkedIn, but you already said I can. So thank you. Please and I definitely will do, do that. Um, I think the only question I have for you that I didn't, ask was i'm curious to know how many um skills when you were applying for the job how many skills did you actually match up on that job description mm, that's a good one that's one that comes up a lot i don't i don't remember I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say 
some somewhere around eighty percent. Oh, that's a lot. Okay. I think that was kind of my rule, like eighty percent, and I think I think it worked. Like I know there's like this um, this advice out there that says, oh, you know, apply to a job. I mean, definitely apply, even if you don't match one hundred percent. Like matching one hundred percent is overkill. Then you're probably overqualified. Um, but I, I'm not sure I would apply if you're matching just like half, you know, like now you're going down a different path and maybe wasting your time. So I would say like that 70, 80% or so is is like a good sweet spot. You don't have to, you don't have to match all the skills. That's for sure. I can't remember exactly for that particular position, which ones I didn't match. But there were there were a few. Uh, honestly, the only reason I applied is because I taught. I had an informational interview with a person that worked at the company, and she said, "Well, we're hiring. You should apply." I was like, "Okay, oh. this isn't like the perfect match for me, but if you encourage me, I'll do it." You know, and so I did. Awesome. I- okay, that seems like a good rule of thumb: seventy, eighty. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't like el- eliminate yourself out of these positions that you don't 100% match. Well, so, so interesting enough though, as well, is that a lot of these companies, um, especially smaller to medium sized companies who are posting job listings for data analysts list these requirements, but they actually don't expect everyone to meet those requirements. They're just listing it. They're using the required skills as like a fil- try to trying to filter down the, right the applicants but mm-hmm. that's often not the case oftentimes even if you don't have a, a complete understanding of all of those skills it's still important it, it's still worth it to at least apply even if you know even, even if you know only like 20 percent of the stuff you know it's like okay let's just let's just get a gauge of what the company actually is looking for and go from there kind of deal I did. I do have the sense that when applying to jobs, one of the things that is important, and I don't know, I don't know if this is true across the board, but domain knowledge, I think, is important to some companies. So one of the reasons I got hired is because my company works with water, and my background is in water. I was a wetland scientist, so that made me stand out as a candidate, not even my R or whatever skills, right? It's, it was that domain knowledge. Um, so I wonder like, what it, what do you think is that is for you? You said you had like, you work at Starbucks for a long time and then you have some like, um, like loan, like loan uh, experience. I think that's that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I think, I think I'm doing pretty well in insurance, although I don't know if I want to stay in that industry. Um, I would love to work for Starbucks. That would be amazing. I know a lot of people are like anti Starbucks because they're a huge chain and they like support your local coffee shop, but Starbucks is awesome. <laughs> so if just, I could work for them, that would be amazing. But that's obviously like a, a high on my wish list, not necessarily something that I could get right away. But it doesn't have to be Starbucks. It could be just like, you know, retail. You know what I mean? Like, just think about the domain that you have experience in and maybe that yeah. you know well. Um, and But if, if it's something you hate, then. <laughs> <laughs> right. So just work on what I already know and just sort of go from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would say I would say be able to tell a story with your existing knowledge, because that's something that interviewers are looking for a lot as well, is somebody who can... Um, is somebody who can tell a story because that's what data analytics is, is telling a story with data essentially. And that's a very important attribute is being able to 
is being able to communicate not only calculate the numbers get accurate numbers have a beautiful visualization but then being able to say okay here's what the visualization means and here's what you should do as a result of it it's like the star method you know mm-hmm. situation task blah 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 yeah <laughs> good advice yeah but uh yeah so gabrielle do you have any final uh questions for kinga um i i don't i don't i don't have any but thank you so much for taking time out of your day to meet with us to oh, meet my with me pleasure. my yeah, pleasure Gabrielle. It was great having you on. I think I think we had a fantastic episode today, if I do say so myself. <laughs> Minus all of the technical difficulties I had in the beginning. <laughs> now you had some really good questions, and I, it sounds like you're really positioning yourself to to be a strong data analyst. I think you need to focus on, um, I don't know, probably confidence. Like on yeah. it. <laughs> I agree. It's interesting that you noticed that, but yes, I agree. <laughs> it's hard. I, I mean, I'm with you. I'm like so introverted and imposter syndrome the whole thing, but eventually, and, and as, it's great that you said that about like becoming a mother and like becoming older with age. I'm just like, yeah. forget all these people like, <laughs> on it. <laughs> it's so true. Like I used to never like dance in public, but now like if she wants me to do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that sounds like so. So, Kenya and Gabrielle, for people who are listening to this right now and they're saying, "Oh man, I really want to talk to these people," um, where's the best place for them to reach out to you? Is it LinkedIn? For me, find me on LinkedIn always. Yeah, yeah. I I don't have any other social media except for LinkedIn, so that's going to be the only place. Please add All right. me. <laughs> well, yeah. So check so. Check the description below. It'll have both Kinga's and Gabrielle's LinkedIn down there. And um, any any final thoughts, guys? No. no. Have a great day. Yeah. <laughs> have a great rest yeah. of the day. Yeah. Well, thank. Well, so for everyone listening, thank you so much for sticking with us. I hope you guys got as much value out of this as I did because it was. A, I thought it was a great episode. So great conversation. Um, yeah. Take care, guys, and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.